0: Newly, newly stocked, stocked on the this shelves
1: is box, is box number 512. 512 with your hosts, Aeon and the Lioness Black, Black trans, trans women, and excellent and defying all life expectations. The show begins now. What's going on, y'all? This is Aeon and this is the
0: Lioness.
1: And you're here on episode 13 of box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Before we get started, just want to um, thank you guys for all of the support. The podcast is going week by week. And we just wanted to remind you um, to become monthly sponsors of our show. You can uh, go to our anchor page and become a monthly donor. You can donate as little as a dollar a month One up all money is donated to our podcast will be put directly back into our podcast and we appreciate everybody that has sponsored us so far so just wanted to put that reminder in there but getting into today's show sis what's going on
0: no tea girl no tea just like um um i'm in a good place i to be real i'm excited about the revolution I posted something on my Facebook today listing someone had taken the time to compile all of the change that has just happened as a result of the protest George Floyd. And I'm not going to to this, it has been outstanding to see around the world, the amount of people that have been fired by this movement. And I'm just so proud of the social revolution and where it's going. And I feel like the naysayers, they need to really just look around and really, really focus. Um, and if and for those of you who do happen to follow the Lioness or follow um, Samaya Turner on Facebook, oh my God, like. No shade. We are doing a lot of good work. And I was able to post something that was very um, good on that. Um, Also, um, I want to give a shout out to Ruby Corrado. I believe she turned um, the elegant age of 50.
1: Oh, happy birthday, Ruby.
0: Yes, um, it was yesterday. um, And um, in honor of her, uh, she was doing a donation. I mean, a a fundraiser on behalf of her birthday. And I think you can still participate if you'd like. I'll go to her page and I'm sure she has the information. But I was just... I'm happy to be able to donate, um, and I am intentional. And I'm saying that on the podcast, not to brag, but to be intentional about letting people, those of us that do have an extra five or ten dollars, that you can be giving and sowing seeds into our community. You know, I'm seeing all this black empowerment talk, and I wanted to make sure that we are remembering that we, as a community, have businesses, we have nonprofits, and we have things that are actually designed to serve us. And I wanted to invest in those. And then lastly, um, to to wrap my, um, how I'm doing up, I was also, you put up something really interesting, Bree, about, um, or Aeon, about um, one of your friends that was doing a fundraiser for someone else. Um, um, Did you wanna talk a little bit about that? Because I did donate and share that as well. But I believe one of your, I believe you said your best friend um, had a a GoFundMe. Did you wanna take a moment really fast and promote that?
1: Um, sure. So, no, actually happened was my um, best friend in New York, K. DeRod. He was um, a part of some, uh, he he did, he organized um, people in the Bronx where he lives at um, around issues of police brutality and violence against trans women. And he created a mural outside of, well, he helped to create a mural outside of the park um, where he lives at. Oh, so, I know. Mean, so. Yeah, But what happened was the following day, um, somebody tore the mural down. The mural had like Black Trans Lives Matter on it. And so when he tried to fix it and to put it back up, one of the men from the neighborhood confronted him and put out a knife. Oh my God. Yeah. And there was other people around. So now um, the people that he was with wanted to start a GoFundMe to help him relocate out of that area. because. Clearly, it is now dangerous. You have some strange man pulling a knife out on you. And
0: now you've been targeted because they know you live in the area and you put up this mural.
1: Right. Thank you for
0: sharing that story, sis. Like, and that's why I wanted to contribute because that to me, like, I look now back at Malaysia Booker and her situation and I feel like if the community, as a larger community, if we all just took a few dollars and contributed in that moment where we saw a community member vulnerable, we could have affected maybe some change. And not to say that, not to put blame on any of each and every one of us, but I would love to be the change I wanna see and make sure that that doesn't happen where tr- where someone, someone trans or someone advocating for our community is in a neighborhood where they're not, they don't feel safe. And we as a community know that they've been in an incident. We've had witnesses to this incident and we're not involved. So I wanted to just contribute whatever I could to that as well. So thank you for sharing, this.
1: Yeah, and I'll um, put a link to um, his goal by me in the description for this episode. So. Um, please feel free to donate to support. Um, they're really not asking for that much, but they just want to get him out of that. Because he's been having problems in that particular area for some time now, but it's been time for him to move out of that area. So, um, yeah. Um, as so into as- your communities. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you Yes, Right. But as far as me, nothing's, nothing has really been um, going on. Um, same old, same old. I've really been um, leaning into my workout routine so like every you know every day or every other day like I'm making it an effort to get up early and work out in the morning and exercise. Just, to, just to be active because like you know my health my physical health I'm still in a place where I'm trying to be in control of my body and be you know be in control of my shape and my figure and stuff like that and I'm happy that the bar and school and all of that is over because it's a really it's a really sedentary lifestyle so there was a lot of times where i wanted to do stuff but i couldn't because you literally have to sit down and read a book and you have to prioritize your
0: education over everything else
1: right or sit down in front of a computer and that really i really didn't have time to do other stuff so it's really been nice to be able to get up and work out and not have a care and choose to be in a neighborhood where I you know there's so many places, safe places for me to walk. Um, I know a year or two from now, I'm also, I'm working out to move, but I am trying to lose a little bit of weight because um, I do want to get some like body work done later on down the line and get some stuff done so just trying to Work. put myself in the best position so when i have these procedures everything is okay um but yeah yeah and everything and everything, is. everything is the same um, just preparing for this move and just you know where are you moving i mean at the end of at the end of july Got you. Okay. Yeah. So just preparing for this move, but also relaxing and ju- you know just still enjoying my time to myself and my time off. But nothing. Yeah. Nothing's really changed over here. I'm glad that we are a week out from everything that happened last week because last week was just so um, intense. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm doing I'm doing fine over here. Just enjoying this weather and enjoying good TV and. Just chilling out and just enjoying this time um, with myself. I saw that you voted a couple of days ago, sis. Um what did what did you yes. vote? What did you vote for?
0: I voted yesterday, actually, and I voted for um I voted for the Democratic Party primary. Um, so just, I mean, so this is the primary election and just keeping it real, um, our election process has now been fucked for a good while. Um, and <clears throat> um, it started before, it started really, it started really, really like um, trying to use tactics in the election before Kemp, it was like a, um, an, um, an inner, you know, one of those um, smaller elections where we were local, we were voting for elected leaders, I mean, local leaders. And in, in that, even then in that small election, even before Kemp was running, there was problems. But now, because he was, the, I think he, they were practicing for what they're doing now. So when he was trying to be elected governor of Georgia, we had a lot of problems with supposed new technology. But really, um, it ended up being where only my, I mean, literally districts in minority areas are not working. And so then he was able to really discourage a lot of folk. Now, mind you, folks are coming out, and it's particularly now in this election, folks are coming out in COVID. And so there's still, even after that last election that he stole from Stacey Abrams, and which led her to start this voter you know, campaigning, c- correcting the voter um, problems in Georgia, even before, like now, even now, it's still going on. And this is why we need Stacey Abrams to do what she's doing. Because I, when I waited in line, sis, I'm not even being funny. It was an hour and 45 minutes to just get to the door. And then the process inside, was just so, just kind of shaky to me. So I'm used to going into the place and, you know, of course, giving your ID. And then there was a national wait to get to the machine. Now these machines were completely new, different types of machines. And the way it was set up, I even, it took me a very long time for the ballot. And the lady, when she was, when I was, even the lady when she was letting me go to the machine, she was telling me, she was like, a lot of people are just take your time. A lot of people are struggling with the way they are worded and with the way a machine is set up. And I'm not even lying. The machine was confusing. But even more so, you then had to print. Now, mind you, you know, usually you put your card in the machine and it's all electronic. We had to then print out the result and handed it to someone who slid it into what looked like, an it was a scanner slash shredder. So as soon as it scanned it, it shredded the ballot into this little part of the bottom and you could hear it shredding. And I was just like, what the fuck is that? Like, and if this is in 2020 where we're having to print out paper ballots on a regular desk jet, an HP desk jet printer, like when we're having to print out paper ballots and then walk to another line to wait to give it to someone else, it's like that process is the most complicated that I've ever seen and they very much gave early 90s tease. Now, mind you, before we even get in there, there are people in line that, have, that had come back more than once since 7 a.m. that morning because my voting precinct, those machines that we had to print the ballots on weren't working. So, I just want to point out that in 2020, there is active, and mind you, this, not just my precinct, there are other precincts that have problems all the way to the close of the precinct. And And I know that it's designed to affect certain communities because you're not seeing problems in areas that aren't minority areas, particularly strong minority voting blocks in a lot of our affluent black neighborhoods in Atlanta. That's where the problems were. And that's the shame.
1: Yeah, I was seeing people, talk, I don't know, it's just, it just goes to show how like voter suppression is still, I don't really, I understand how it's going on, but for that to be somebody's voting experience in 2020 is really fucking ridiculous to me, because as long as I have, uh voted, I've never had to wait to vote for like more than like five to 10 minutes because um, That's, that's
0: shocking to me because that is not the case in the south
1: right like i i voted in maryland and i have also voted in illinois um yeah it's very much the voting places in my neighborhood within walking distance or short driving distance and in maryland by the time i started voting back in 2008 everything was electronic here in Illinois, they do like a a paper Scantron ballot, which I find weird because this is Illinois. But nevertheless, I you know, I've never had to wait in an hour-long line just to vote. And I think it just goes to show the disparities, particularly down south in the Bible Belt, in the red states. And like, the fact that people were like, oh, I voted and I stood in line for an hour, it's like that is not. That's not normal. That is a severe problem. That is that is interfering with people, particularly Black people's fundamental rights to vote. It and was raining.
0: Sis, people had to commit on yesterday to stand in a storm. I had to stand on an umbrella to wait, and 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 and. and because of the new guidelines with social distancing, you had a much larger crowd in the space that they intended, they intended to have. So then we were saying, if we were ever exposed, this was the moment. Like, because it was just that many people in such a condensed area trying to get in there. And they were doing their best. I'm a shout out to the poll workers. They were doing their best with what they were given. But the poll workers had like, they were, they, they kind of had this, like, just take your time. Like, they couldn't, you know, of course, you know, they can't really, you know, complain too much about the process because they work for the state. But you could see that these people were really, really like trying to calm people down who were upset. There was another lady behind me, and the first thing out of her mouth was, I have been voting at up the street, I have been voting at a whole other precinct for years. And now, all of a sudden, randomly, after waiting three hours, I have to now come over here and wait in line again to come and get in but switched her voting precincts those minor things happened to the point where there was a there was a, a black leaders were sharing the uh, um a website that was dedicated to, to showing the changes in the precincts because people were literally i mean can can you imagine how discouraging that is Right you and, have but, a you just confirmed your address at your location and they changed where you vote in the time between where you registered even if you registered earlier this year, they changed voting precincts recently. That is a problem
1: right, and it's all a part of a tactic to discourage black people from voting so they can continue to steal elections. Um, and it's just it's just ridiculous, and that's why I support the work that um, Stacey Abrams is doing. Although she, although the ele- the the governor election was stolen from her, I definitely look forward to. Um, oh,
0: and my absentee ballot didn't come until after the date for it already was passed due to be sent in, and that was common. Everybody was talking about that too. The right. The fact that the absentee ballots didn't even arrive to our homes after it was a, after the date to mail them back.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. That's really crazy. Like I said, that, like, the fact that I saw multiple people tweeting, like, I stood in line, it's like, y'all, that's not normal. Like, that's not, like, that, you know, that should not be folks voting experiences. And again, it goes, you know, it goes to show the importance of Local elections and why mm-hmm. those things matter, and why the why institutional racism works so hard to suppress even us voting of who of who gets to represent us. So um yeah, that's fucked up. That's just that's just that's really fucked up. And I I really hope that one day that changes for Every because it just doesn't make any sense why. P- people, especially Black people, can't vote in the neighborhoods or vote. Like, why do, why do we have to get a bus to drive people over an hour to vote? Like, that that is fucking suppression. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. But these yeah. things still go on, especially in the Deep South and rural areas as well. Like, if it's mm-hmm. happening in Atlanta metro, I don't even want to think about what's happening like in Macon, or Valdosta, and, you know, all of those places in Georgia.
0: Exactly, exactly. About. Mm-hmm. You speaking.
1: Yeah, so I just, I just wanted to um, highlight um, that experience, especially for you, especially for people that want to move to Atlanta, move to the state of Georgia. Like, be aware what you are getting yourself into and also encouraging people that are down there. Um, do you want to be a part of changing that? And um, connecting And see, the beautiful to- part about Atlanta, I
0: want to give Atlanta a shout out that we need to, and, and, and part of infrastructure change was, it was very proud for me to see how many black women were on the ballot. It was a pride for me to see, and I'm talking about up for judgeships, running uncontested, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was just excited to see um, that the, the, the strategies are in place. And I want us to continue, because I I do want to encourage people, if you are living here and if you are voting in Atlanta, we are at a pivotal moment. Like, shit is just shifting. And I think that's why the powers that be are really trying to put us on a local election level right now, is because they're aware that the infrastructure, like what Brianna are saying, in our local, is integral to our day-to-day lives. The funding for your local board of education is dispersed by a board of education board that we just voted for yesterday for DeKalb County. Like, and so knowing who your school board members are can directly impact because there were school board members that i researched in advance that were trying to defund public schooling. You see what I'm saying? So you have to remember to remember that on a local level, they are aware that the greatest impact in your day-to-day life is your local elections. And that's why, You know, though it was hard yesterday, I was proud to see that the line was as long as it was for what I would imagine would be a presidential election. Like, I'm not even lying. It was almost like people were doggedly defiant about voting. And I felt like maybe because of the climate that we're in, because I know that Black people ain't going to stand like that in the rain unless they're committed to a cause. So shout out to my people in this moment, too. And shout out to Atlanta for still showing the fuck up and doing what we had to do.
1: And uh, speaking of defunding, I definitely want to bring this topic into the room. Come on, segue. And, and I definitely, it, you know, this applies to Black trans people, Black trans women in particular. But there's a lot. There's been like a lot of renewed conversation around um, defunding the police, abolishing the police, abolishing pr- prison systems, and what that means. And whether that could be a possibility model um, moving forward, as as we deal with um, policing, and at least here in the United States, and how its origin is based in racism, and how that's perpetuated every day, and how that is really not working for any of us, especially Black people. Uh, one of the things that I enjoy is um, being privy to different. Um, Thought leaders on this particular topic, uh, I watch for Harriet, shout out to Kim Foster. She mm-hmm. did a video a couple, like last week, where she had um, two, um, um, two supporters or two thought leaders on the defund the police movement. Um, I can't, I know one of the ladies' names, her name is Jerica. I can't, I think it's Jerrica Chang, um, Derricka Chang. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name, but I definitely remember Charlene Carruthers. Um, uh, Charlene Carruthers, who was the former leader of BYP 100, who's also um, a, co- a colleague of mine and somebody I consider a mentor. And I, I think it's beautiful in this time to really open our minds to the possibilities that policing does not have to look um, the way that it looks and it can be community control and that we get a say in what that actually looks like. And yes, it is. I think it's I think the problem that a lot of people have with and I'll get into what um, defunding the police is in a nutshell and what it's not. But I feel like the the problem that people have with defunding the police is they feel like we are just not going to have any public safety measures at all and the, we're just gonna open up the jails and let the murderers come, um, co- and the rapists come out and come free. And it's you know it's not that. I think it will be too simplistic um, to kind of um, really not engage with what a, a prison abolitionist movement is or the defender police movement is, and just discount it because we think that it's going to be that. So basically. The way, the way that policing is set up across the United States is that police um, departments are overly funded. So like, for, for example, in city budgets, police departments, I know here in Chicago, they get like a, like approximately like $100 million out of the budget. So out of the city budget, police, police departments typically get like a third or more of the city budget. And this goes to police um, departments buying weapons that they don't need. It goes to them over policing black and brown people in certain neighborhoods. And just from a business model, the reason that I'm in love with the defunding police movement, just from a a business standpoint, we're overfunding the police Mm departments. To continue to over police black and brown people into kill us. Like, mm-hmm. who gets to kill people? Get away with it. And then these city departments are like, yes, we're giving you more money. We're giving you more money. And it's not if it, if our point is to respect people's humanity and to create a society where we are equal to one another, um, that really doesn't involve pumping more money into a system that um systemically and purposely targets black and brown people and subjects us to the violence and the horrors that they have been for generations so at its core what the defund what the defunded police movement is and I'm still learning about this it's a it's not a complete um erasure of police departments but it's a It's a severe reallocation of funds, right? So it's severely, so it's taking all of the extra funds that these police departments really don't need. Like they could survive with like the minimum and reallocating that um, to schools, which are severely underfunded, to (laughs) healthcare systems in cities, which are severely underfunded, to black and brown neighborhoods um, around the city, which are severely underfunded, to different infrastructure projects that continue to get underfunded. Uh, to And really, the more that you, um, and it's been shown that the more that you put money into these things, the less that crime goes down and the less that you have need um, the need for police. Because a lot of the, you know, with the exceptions of the like the violent crimes, a lot of these crimes and a lot of the crimes that um, people are these this, these type of broken bottle um, police or broken windows, police mm-hmm. thing that people are getting arrested for, mm-hmm. they're for like petty like property theft crimes and stuff of that nature, and it's all associated with being in poverty. That's all it- people are only doing these things because. They don't have the resources. They don't have good schools. They don't have access to education. They don't have access to jobs, which then in turn causes them to engage in crimes because they are in poverty. So, um, there definitely are different trains of thought of what the mm-hmm. end Outcome could look like for this conversation, but mm-hmm. And this and this this conversation is something that originated in the 60s and the 70s. And I look forward to reading um, more books on it, just so I can sharpen my analysis. Mm -hmm. But I think, and the thing that I liked about the Fort Harriet conversation and that it was being led by women that, you know, there is a genuine concern about Black women. Well, if, you know, if we, what if, it's unique for us because typically are we we think we need police because a lot of our abuse happens at the hands of the men that we're with. So mm-hmm. like, what do we do? And I think that also applies to Black trans women. Like, you know, do, and we really have to think about, but then you think about, well, typically when we go through something um, that's violent, we want to call the police, but we don't necessarily feel safe to call the police. So right, this movement, right. yeah, this movement causes us to interrogate that And to create other alternatives where we can have public safety mechanisms that don't necessarily involve the police, because typically when you um, call the police, they tend to aggravate the situation and make it escalate it and make it more violent. So, um, what are your like? What are your thoughts on um, this whole conversation? So you brought up a lot of
0: amazing points, and i would that's why I really wanted you to finish with your thought there because I feel like you 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 so eloquently been able to be to be connected to a podcast and to a conversation that I thought was worth having. I want to point out too just some things that I observed um in this conversation. I feel like people. When they hear shut down the jail, they think lawlessness, they think crime. When we say defund the police, people think no one will protect me. Who's coming to my house if... I have a problem and I don't think people are realizing that what we're actually trying to say is defund police departments in the way that we're currently managing and the way that we're currently managing people and using that funding and allocating that funding and programming social programming to support communities so that what we're doing is we're not just policing for the sake of arresting folks, but we're actually engaging in social justice by improving the lives of folks and getting them connected to services. Imagine out of 100 million that was given to the Chicago Police Department, if we took just maybe even half of that and put $50 million in programming for social services in the South Side of Chicago. Let's think about what that could really look like. How many lives could be severely improved by an injection of $50 million in social programming in the South Side of Chicago. What we're we're not saying defund the police and then that money is just goes to the government. What we're saying is, is let's try and find a new strategy for how we police folks. And let's make sure that this strategy affirms the lives of everyone and has some type of social equity for the black lives and the black trans lives that have been negatively impacted by the systems of oppression in our society. So what we're actually saying is let's not, let's use the the policing strategy in a way that is actually something that is going to, maybe yes, police behavior, but then doesn't lock people away in cages for the for for years and ruin chances at success going forward, creating a blight in communities. I think that defunding the police, the movements here in the cities have been met with roadblocks, and it's unfortunate because it often is from Black people who, for whatever reason, have the inability to see that the way we're currently policing targets all Black people, and um, that 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 dynamic is just very shocking to me because you would think that people would be invested in seeing them change, but sometimes we forget because we leave the hood, we forget that that's the community of. folks That grew up with us that we left our grandmothers and our elderly in those communities. We left our mothers in those communities and we've gotten in these gated communities and we forget that we those communities that we came that we left needed our skill needed our financial investment and they needed us to be concerned about how they're being treated. And a lot of the laws and the things that we're advocating for people, a certain socioeconomic class, even in black community, don't think that it applies to them. And that's why there's this hesitancy to defund because unfortunately we've been taught to look at ourselves and say, yeah, lock them niggas up, they're wild. And that mentality, I think, is a part of the respectability politics that is why people are mad at Black people for protest, why people are upset that this social revolution is happening. And part of it is because the status quo will not continue as usual. And so a lot of people who thought of themselves exceptional, a lot of these people who thought of themselves as privileged, are going to see equity happen for people that they want to continue to feel better than. And that's what we really need to talk about. We have to look at defunding the police department, not as we're trying to dismantle um, something that is, we're dismantling something that is crazy. We're dismantling something that is racist. We're dismantling something that does not support all lives. And that's the problem with saying all lives matter. Black lives need to matter and it needs to be said and it needs to be understood by policing in the way we do. And if we're continuing to fund polices to get AK-47s, we're, put, we're allowing them to go get bomb and <laughs> bomb capabilities and tanks. Like, if we're allowing our police it's to like, sister, why do you need a
1: tank? Why do y'all why, need a
0: tank? Because the goal, and this is what our people need to see,
1: the goal <laughs> long-term
0: for policing and the way they're gearing up is for to crush revolution, to crush the voices of the poor and the underprivileged, to crush even those of us that have successful. Black Wall Street happened because of a militarized police force. Let me say that again. The Tulsa massacre, Black Wall Street, that the incident that happened that we're all talking about that was the, um, the subject of a, of a recent um, um, series based off of a comic book. But the Tulsa massacre, the Black Wall Street incident, you can Google online, happened because of a, of a militarized police force that literally bombed that place. We need to remember that that happened in the past and that can still happen today because, like we saw with George Floyd, our lives are nothing to them. They will stand with each other and watch each other kill us. I just want to point out that a lot of the revolution that we're doing, a lot of the movements that we're doing are not like what you said, Brianna. That was great that you acknowledged that this isn't new. We're continuing movements that were snuffed out because of a a militarized police force. And while the entire world is watching right now, we need to get behind this. Because never before has it been that the entire world was able to see just how bad it is for black people in America, beyond the edited clips that they will show on TV of people being hoes. Now we're seeing just how often it happens and the world is beginning to say, hey, this shit isn't cool. Well, while they're looking, why not support the people that are trying to get the most important message out, which is the way this America has been set up has been to chain and enslave and manipulate and use and commodify Black bodies. And the policing system is just an extension of the Willie Lynch system, which is extension of the slavery system and which is the center of the way this country treated the native americans like if we don't make change now we will be bequeathing to our children and their children a toxic place and like what you said i look forward actually to reading in 2040 about what we did in 2020
1: and seeing how the movement changed the world right and we just i think i think people are scared because even though police are harmful to us, it's, it's the only um, imprint of what we have is safety. And I really think we have to get comfortable with the, the idea that there are alternatives and that this system is not, it's not a good investment for us. It's exactly. not a good investment for us because no matter what we do, no matter how much we submit to police, it's still not good enough. And this is causing us to address how policing and the prison industrial complex is really tied up in capitalism. And it, and people this is and it's really not about we care about black people thing. It's about how is this gonna affect our bottom line. Because Mm -hmm. this society is set up to make money off of our suffering, off of our downfalls, off of our trials. And the police is is set up that way. The jails are set up that way. So I think it's going to be a fight. But like you said, I think generations from now, um, if we continue the course, we will be proud. And also what I like about this conversation is that this is not... I think what everybody is trying to fight for now and trying to build upon the mistakes and the blind spots of past waves of this movement is we don't just want performative action. We want want long-term objectives that we can go to that will still be set in stone long after this wave has come and gone right exactly this whole well we're we're painting black lives matter on the streets or we're putting um we're changing the name of the street to black lives matter like yeah that's cute but i want to see where the money is going like that those are the things like are do you have a commitment to long-term sustainability of practicing anti-racism and anti blackness in your organizations in your government. And
0: an inclusiveness of black and queer bodies also. Right. Because, because I. Oh, I, we're going to get to it, sis.
1: We're, yes, we're going to get yes. to it. But yeah, just, you know, we like, we don't just want the performative. We don't want you wearing the kente cloth, doing this, the curb walk while you're going to. Can the we spot. take a
0: moment real fast and
1: just, what did you feel about the kente cloth? I think it. I. I think it was performative. I just think it didn't need... And two, like, who the fuck is wearing kente cloth from the Like, th- that wasn't necessary. Like, go in. Be about the policy. And don't just wear the kente cloth, Nancy Pelosi. Atone for the bullshit that you did when Black Lives Matter first came on the scene in 2015, and y'all as a government chose to disengage Black Lives Matter or paint them as Black identity extremists. I really don't care about these performative acts. I want you to be committed to long-term change, but I also want you to recognize the fuck shit that you did when Black Lives Matter first came on the scene. But nobody, nobody nobody wants to be real and act like they were on the wrong side of it. But it's like, you were. And when you do stuff like this, it just seems, disingenuous. Bitch, I don't give a fuck that you have Kente cloth on, bitch. What does the policy say? That part. What does your, how does your how does your staff look? Right. Does Does your
0: staff include everybody? And see, let me tell you this. Like, and this is my thought on the Kente cloth. I did not, it felt like a full opportunity. You could see the smugness on the face of those them a white padded people we nailed it this time we're gonna show them that by this physical act that we care but i like what brianna said that's cute and all and i think the frustrating part about it was and what made it feel patronizing is that i would have much rather she not made it about her and me wearing this cloth because she had to know that that was going to be the topic and made it more about the bill that she was pushing forward and really said poignant words to President Trump and the other and the, uh, Republicans, admonishing them for their treatment of Black people and not made it about just her outfit. Because the unfortunate part about Nancy and those Democratic folks is that the bill that they were pushing forward is not being talked about as much as the photo opportunity is being memed and joked about because these folks thought Kente Cloth would be a great physical representation of my support, not realizing that the real physical representation of your support was advocating for that bill that a lot of black, queer, brown folk got behind. To try to get you th- that that advocated for years to get that legislation in your hand for you to present. I think that is the key here is remembering, yes, 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 yes. We appreciate all of these displays and we want you to atone, like what Brianna said, for what you were for the systemic things that you helped support in the past and more importantly when something comes forward when black people are trying to push things forward and now we finally got a prison reform bill that you're trying to present don't use that as an opportunity to grandstand because even though verbally she may not have grandstanded that was carried in the worst way and she had to know that that was going to distract from the message Right. And if was... she didn't she is short-sighted and that's why we're admonishing her the way we are
1: right in the grand, in the grand scheme of things it wasn't necessary. There were other things that she could have done
0: She could have um, let she could let one
1: of, she could have even let a black woman a black woman in Kente
0: cloth present the prison reform bill. she could have bestowed that honor upon someone else if she really really wanted to really drive on the point of who this is for. But by you doing it, you're making it about you. And I guess that's the thing that really burnt my biscuits.
1: Yeah, I'm not impressed with Nancy Pelosi. Never have been. I don't... I I think, again, she, she knows what time it is, and she's trying to position herself to make it... Like, she's on the right side of history. But it's like, sis, you've been in Washington a long time. Like, you could have did... You could have took... You could have taken this risk to really demonstrate your allyship a long time ago. And it's just convenient for you to do this now but i'm i'm not impressed but before we um pivot to the last topic i just want to end off the um the uh the defund the police movement and the prison abolitionist movement like i said i'm still new in my knowledge i'm looking to gain knowledge i want to encourage our audience to really um learn more about this movement um learn more from the black leaders particularly black femmes who are um, at the center of this movement and leading conversations in this movement um like i said there's no set answer there's no same a- answer to what um a world without the police or without prisons would look like but i think part of the beauty about that is we have the opportunity to come to the table and we get to shape what that looks like because policing is just it's not it's not working it's not working it never has worked so I really think this is a um, beautiful time to learn and to grow and to deal with the things that um, makes it uncomfortable and makes it unsettling and really work through it and don't just discount it just because you don't understand what it is right mm-hmm. so i just want to encourage you guys to just um get deeper into it and i, I look forward to getting deeper in it and inc- incorporating it into my um my personal legal work because i definitely want to be on the side of the um really d- defunding the police and reallocating the wealth reallocating mm-hmm. this money to because look at all of these schools just like public school systems that have been for years sev- severely underfunded, um, severe cuts. You've got these teachers union that are fighting tooth and nail, trying to get a decent um, pay wage for their teachers that work there. Um, just, it's just like all of this money that are going to the police and going to these Republican things, that money could be used to help so many other people. And the bitches that are rich can still be rich. And that's the gag. Is that the mentality that I feel like a lot of
0: people, uh, particularly nouveau riche, black folks who just have come into money. But their mentality is, is that I'm now a part of this group and I don't want to be paying for people that didn't hustle the way I did. Not realizing that you, the way we're trying to get the government to reappropriate money won't change you at all. If anything, it will benefit your life because now your cousins, your family members, your uncles, your brothers will not be incarcerated at such a high rate. You won't have to spend money to bail people out. Cash bail does not have to exist. Like, what we're trying to do is actually say that we want to push the needle in the direction to where the full total wellness of your life is improved. And then your whole family, not just an individual's bank account who happens to be Black and successful, but everybody, your entire ecosystem can improve and it doesn't, it's not going to still be rich. What we're saying is let's allo- reallocate this money that's going to all these crazy places to, 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 to fund um 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 dehumanizing people and let's reallocate that money to look at their humanity and put it
1: first. And let's put the money to rehabilitating the people that need to be rehabilitated and not further traumatizing them once they are incarcerated. That, like uh, what like what what real resources are we putting behind um making sure the recidivism rate is not as high as it is. Why mm-hmm. can't a prisoner get a college degree while he's in prison? Like that, like uh, 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 somebody that's incarcerated getting a college education, that doesn't take away from me. I want them mm-hmm. to get, because if you want to be, if you want to have a real grown woman, because this is grown woman talk conversation, there is a high percentage because I want to date and partner with a black man. There's a high likelihood that my man, he may have been incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Especially living here in Chicago, it's, exactly. a, it's just a it's just a possibility. So why would not want my man if he was incarcerated to have his education, to have legitimate skills that, don't... and to that true. point,
0: also to have access to a comprehensive mental health care program, Hello? treatment program while in while in prison. Like why not? And while he's in this space. Like, give him all the tools needed To be able to then transition back To society
1: successfully Like but, that but is what would Ultimately be equity Because because if he doesn't have the tools Who does he come back home to re-victimize And to take his anger out on The black women The black trans women Who are housing these men um, Trying to heal these men providing spe- They come back to women And they enact all of that on women So why not really give um, incarcerated people, particularly men, because that's the... That's That's who we're mostly incarcerated. Right. Why not give them to tools, uh, holistic tools, uh, mental services, education, to make them better people um, so when they come back into our communities, they're not causing further harm in our communities. Why are we not... Why are we so invested in making the cycle go over and over and over. like we really have to sit back and think about that
0: you speaking truth sis you are speaking truth we are in a world today where we just have to learn to be more concerned about the whole than the individual if we could shift our focus from from caring about our whole ecosystem and that includes the way we treat our environment and everything if we could focus more on how we think about the humanity as a whole and less on the individual, we would
1: all get farther. Right. So, yeah, just like we like you said in a pre- previous episode about another topic, you have to be open to the possibility that what what people told you may be a lie. You just, you just have to be open to the possibility that it might be a lie and that that, that there's another way. So I'm really excited about that conversation. I look forward to seeing how the conversation evolves. Also, I want to encourage you girls, specifically Black trans women, get in these conversations. Be at the grassroots. Meet the people who are at the forefront of these movements. They need to hear from you because, like I said before, Black trans women are also a part of this ecosystem and we're impacted by all of that shit. Why? Because we are still Black women, right? That part. And we are, and we still have the potential to face harm. So I just want to encourage you that your voice matters, and how ha- you could be the you could be the next thought leader on this movement because I feel like we have a unique perspective that's often overlooked. So, um, <laughs>
0: you know, I've heard someone ask me recently, and this is the last I want to just before we transition. Uh-huh. Um, someone asked me recently, how did I feel about you know all the girls doing podcasts or all the girls? everybody who can get on a mic get on a mic
1: right i I think
0: that we need to be i want to be the podcast that is encouraging and that is and that wants you to know that we need to hear your voice if they realize finally that we are be we we have many capacities that we have much more ability to add to the conversation beyond the stereotype we will truly that is that will push the entire movement forward because a lot of it is it's redefining what people think trans and Black means together. And right. like, and that is just allowing our beauty to shine. There's nothing special that we have to do. Even for the girls out there that, that say, oh, well, I'm not into activism. I don't have no degree like y'all. I can't really... I just do sex work. Bitch, get your ass on a mic. There's no, the, talk, talk about, about your experience. Life. Nobody yes. is talking
1: about that. Yes. And also, and also I just want to put this little nugget... I'm pretty sure this will be another... Uh, episode on its own because of something that I've been wanting to talk about, but I've just, you know, it hasn't been the right time. Long gone are the days where we are keeping secrets from gr- for grown ass men. We as a black trans woman, I'm not cool. saying going to out these men, but I have the right as a black, a grown ass black trans woman to talk about the fullness of my experiences, the fullness of my life who I have interactions with, what I've learned from those interactions, and this whole let's be discreet DL bullshit, no. Now is the time more than ever for a black trans woman to show that we can work together and for us to tell our stories. And shout out to my sis, um, Gia Love, aka Gia Juicy who had this bomb quote. She was on um, the legendary Breakdown After Show, but she said the reason that a lot of black cis men Don't want black trans women to tell our stories because then and only then will everybody else realize that a lot of these same black cis men are interwoven into our stories. Now is the time to tell our stories. We are not being guilted or baited into keeping your secrets. We have lives to live. We have traumas to get up off of us. And we're trying to move and be fullness and be present in the world and take our place in the world. So I definitely want to encourage, if you want to start your own podcast. Now it does take work and it takes consistency, but I was just talking to another girl that also comes from a sex work background. We can't, I can't speak to that. I can't speak to that, but that's, that's, nobody's really talking about that as far as somebody who was active in sex work and has that per- perspective. Like I said, exactly. I don't even feel this show is for a type of black trans woman. This show is for all black trans women. All trans- When I'm engaging, I'm yes. engaging with the college girls, the sex workers, the stealth girls, because we, we all matter. So yeah, bitch, get your, get up on here, do your podcast, do your YouTube show and tell your story
0: exactly
1: don't make there's no
0: type of act there's no personality or qualifications to be a part of this movement just show up and just be yourself right
1: hey y'all this is Aon. this is the lioness and you're listening to box number 512 podcast grown black trans women talk and we just want to surround you guys while you're listening to subscribe rate comment Follow us on social media and share our podcast. And we wanted to let you know that we just started a new feature, Grown Black Trans Women Talk Live, on our Facebook and our Instagram Live pages. And I'm going to turn it over to the lioness so she can tell you what um, to expect.
0: Yeah, so you can expect hot, new, exclusive content. You can expect us having conversations about living, loving, laughing in the pursuit of all of our successes, you'll be hearing us have enlightening conversations with other people. It's our way of connecting with you, our listeners. We want to make it a multimedia experience. And so please follow us on Facebook Live and our Instagram Live for more exclusive content. And now,
1: back to box number 512 podcast, grown, black, trans women, so transitioning into our last topic for the day. And I've been, the big one. Da, 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 da. I've been saying this a lot. And even before we started recording, I was just watching this video with Derek J and Craig the Writer. They do these bi-weekly um, panels with different um, topics that explore like the intersection of queerness and blank identity. But I've been seeing this from a lot of people, usually a lot of black cis people, but I also see a lot of black queer people co sign this whole like, we are black first narrative. And they usually say it to black LGBT people when we try to bring up that, um, we try to bring up that while we are all fighting on the side against white supremacy. Black just hat folks, y'all can't then turn around and be homophobic and transphobic to us. And a lot of times what happens is they do this whole, well, that doesn't matter, and we need to get on the same line because at the end of the day, you are Black first. And I think that is the biggest crack of bullshit. And I think that, that, that No Shade is actually a tactic of white supremacy to um, oppress other marginalized identities um, within um, Black identity.
0: And yes. to me,
1: it sounds akin to All Lives Matter. Um, mm-hmm. shout, out, shout out to um, Diamond Styles. She also did a video on this um, the other day, and she was kind of, she said the similar thing, and I was able to um, really feel what she was saying and just sharpen the analysis to put up a status I wrote yesterday. But Diamond really made a good point. That whole you are Black first narrative that really only works to benefit Black cis-het men. That doesn't that benefit part. Black women. It doesn't benefit Black trans women. It doesn't benefit Black queer people because inherently what that what that says and why it's akin to All Lives Matter, uh, especially when we try to bring up the fact that Black queer people are suffering at the hands of Black people, even during the time where we're all supposed to be banded together, why that is problematic is because it's, it's really a tactic to silence other identities that are deemed not respectful, not <clears throat> valuable, and not worth the whole community getting behind to uplift this particular intersecting identity, much in the way that All Lives Matter is a tactic to draw attention from the unique space that Black lives need to be centered and lifted up by all people it's the same thing and like diamond said that only works to lift up black cis men who are the victims of police um, violence and racial violence hence why we needed a say her name movement to even bring awareness mm-hmm. to the, um, violence faced by black women hence why people are begging and screaming for Breonna taylor to get a smidgen of attention that george floyd has get, given Hence why every time a black um a black gay man um is um drugged by some old white rich white man and dies in his house, we gotta um explain to people I'm on why the they preach, to give up. Bro. Hence why black trans women continue to get beat on camera by mobs of black men and murder. and we have to tell y'all about Black Lives Matter. So stop with that whole um. You're, well, you're really black first. That doesn't apply for um. Black people with multiple intersections, you don't come in as one thing first. If you are truly, if you have intersecting identities, you bring them into the room at the same time. All Mm -hmm. of them work together to create a unique, singular experience that you had at a particular point in time. You just don't get to pick and choose, well, I'm Black kid, like it doesn't work like that. And y'all are just, y'all are purposely flattening the narrative because it makes y'all uncomfortable to lift black women up, to lift black LGBT people Mm. up, to lift black trans women up. Because really, y'all don't want to have to reckon with the fuck-ass shit that y'all have done to black women, that you have done to black LGBT people, that you have done to black women and you don't want to atone for it. You just want to sweep it under the rug, act like it doesn't exist, get your liberation so you can turn right around and do the same shit to black um women or black queer people that white people do to black folks as a whole and we are not here for it and it it will always be the time to call out the hypocrisy especially with movements like this and everybody is reading billy porter but billy porter is just turning the mirror on y'all and saying no this is the perfect time to bring it up so so, sis, what do you have to say? No. Um, so,
0: you know what's interesting? Um, I think that part of the issue is that, like what you were saying, a lot of black men have not confronted the, the idea or, or an uncomfortable confronting the idea that they are victimizing other of people. I don't think that black men are comfortable with the idea of really processing that they the amount of trauma that they have endured that they then pass on. I don't think I think that it's uncomfortable to have that conversation because it looks like we're kicking someone that is vilified by white America. But unfortunately, because we live in a patriarchy, black men have have privilege and access that all that black queer folks that black black cis heterosexual men have more privilege than black queer folks, black trans folks, black women, black black anybody that right. is not black a black man and it 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 be works like that because we live in a patriarchy and patriarchy places men in a position of privilege because The reality of it still is, is that a black man can go in and get an interview. And yes, he will make less than black women and black men. But if he's put against another, if a black man is put in a situation against a black woman, he will make more money than her still. That is still the world we live in today. And unfortunately, we also live in a world where the black man is vilified and the black man is demonized and the black man is incarcerated and torn down at such a low level. And I don't think that we are comfortable in our community talking about that in a lot of ways, the black man's reaction to violence in his environment has been to enact violence and oppression on those that he says that he is overseeing and protecting. because if the re- because part of what black first is is trust, blackness, which means trust black men plus the establishment to push forward uh, and and support all of you. When what we've often seen and what we see in our day-to-day lives is, is that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think that the narrative that blackness has something that can be defined by a set of characteristics is a problem. And that's just not towards black men, that's also black women. And that's why we have to talk about our unique experience as Black trans people because people will try to say, well, y'all are, y'all are talking about that trans shit and it's distracting, not realizing that I don't have the luxury of coming in the room and, 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 and guaranteeing that everybody's going to be okay with me being Black and trans. Because the reality of it is that I'm coming in Black and I'm coming in trans. And there are people in our community who show up, and it's obvious that they're both when they walk in the room. Right. So then now, what do you do? How do you tell that person they can't talk about their experience when you don't even respect them? You won't even treat them with dignity. That's why we're saying this Black first narrative of, you need to just focus on these small set of issues is a problem because you're missing the way that the system of oppression has affected black men and in turn, how they have affected the community. And everybody deserves equity. Everybody deserves to have their lives improved, not just a particular privileged class or group, because see, then you're st- essentially still creating a caste system. Exactly. And what we're trying to do is set it up to where everyone can prosper, and everyone has equal opportunity. Black women have equal opportunity as well.
1: Exactly. And and y'all know y'all y'all just y'all don't y'all talking about weight. Y'all don't ever want us to have this conversation. Just be real. You don't you don't want us to ever have the conversation mm. because it makes you feel uncomfortable. But we don't have black queer people. Black trans women, we don't have the luxury to put it off or to not talk. Like, we are literally fucking dying by y'all niggas, by y'all niggas, by y'all cis men, by y'all black cis women who choose to uphold um, patriarchy, by you black gay men and lesbian women that choose to uphold patriarchy, y'all bitches it's y'all and we don't have because the reality of it is patriarchy says that there's an inherited superiority for
0: people that are that are men, and i think we need to unpack that because a lot of women like what you just said are supporting something that is telling that is saying you're inferior sis like so why can't you process that enough to say you know what i'm not inferior and if i stop and seeing myself as inferior, and that I need a man to speak for me, then maybe I could get and advocate for my needs and keep my man in my home. Because a lot of what we're not seeing too is the way the system is currently set up. The reason why there's such a division in the Black family is because systemically, we've been told that Black men and Black women have been told we're better off without each other and what we're actually saying is that we need each other and black First is, is 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 holding to that antiquated standard that black men don't need black women and black women don't need black men what we're saying is, is we need each other equally and we need the voices to show up in the space with the same amount of energy and power and support
1: right And there's no shade, I can't get mad at Black women that only choose to support Black women that die at the hands of police violence. I can't get mad at Black queer people that only choose to go out and march for Black um, queer people that die. Because there's not enough
0: advocating for those groups. You're right. Right. And and the shade
1: is, at the end of the day, if no Black trans person ever put up a hashtag when the next Black um, cis man is murdered by the police, guess what? it's still going to be a flock of people to uplift them, to uphold them. But time and time again, that common courtesy has not been reciprocated to women, to queer people. to so, Particularly
0: women. to Black trans people. I was going to say, we do not get the same level of Welcome, of sympathy, of grace, of understanding. Notice that Black trans people are out and about protesting with you for Black rights for everyone.
1: But now when we have our Black And then we marches, get beat up by you at the same fucking at, protest. At the
0: same that's, protest. That's
1: the, that's the reward we get for Girl, listen, standing with y'all.
0: And at our marches and rallies, or when we try to put up a, a mural in support of ourselves, you tear us down. You tear us down because what is easiest for you is for you to focus on yourself. And that's why, what I said earlier, is still important. We will go, we will be a lot farther in society when we no longer begin to focus on the individual and begin to focus on, the entire ecosystem that we're a part of and the collective of bodies that are all contributing to that ecosystem and until everyone gets respect we're going to be in a situation where there will be people in power that will oppress other people and i think right now because it's white people that we forget that oppression can is not color specific you can oppress somebody and still be black and we need to remember that We're going to dismantle the master's house, like I always say, and like we—that—that that that is a famous quote. If we're going to dismantle the master's house, we cannot use his tools. So that means we have to change the way we're engaging with one another. Otherwise, we would be passing on, it'll just be a new dynasty of Black oppressors. And that's not what we want either. Oppressing queer people, oppressing Black queer people, and, and setting up laws that will make it illegal for us to exist. There's a lot of Black people that don't really want to see me live and i really want to say fuck you and if you want me to be a part of a movement that includes that bullshit fuck you very much because i'm not interested in participating in anything that's going to then tell me i'm not i can't be a part of it and i'm not a
1: beneficiary of what i worked hard for right and (laughs) and bitch y'all y'all think y'all are pro-black but y'all are actually being anti-white when y'all are so hateful towards femininity and queerness i had to explain this to somebody the other day bitch by by excluding trans people or by demonizing trans people you are perpetuating um you're perpetuating white supremacy because anti-queerness that ultimately comes from white supremacy which comes from colonialism Mm -hmm. we were before we were enslaved and even native people we were so many genders and so many sexualities but because of colonialism because of religion they literally beat that shit out of us and they created this binary system where you either have to be this or that and that's just not the spirit of who we are and the sooner that y'all realize that y'all are actually let you that even if we got free on the basis of race, white supremacy is so insidious that it would uh, play out with how black folks treat black queer people. Mm -hmm. They're never gonna be fucking free.
0: Never. Because because
1: none of us don't have, and this is the
0: reality. I wanna also talk about that we have to stop defining blackness as heterosexual because most of the people that are really, really, well, I'm saying, I'll say a good percentage of the people that are claiming to be heterosexual aren't. So that's even more crazy that you have people that are not uh, 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 cis and heterosexual, but who will claim it and, and still oppress other people because they don't even wanna be. If they have access to masculinity and they can play it off, they are, they're, they're like, like they, can, so they can pass in society. That's what this deal phenomenon essentially is. It's a bunch of folks are still trying to uphold cis-heteronormativity and the standards that and the privileges that they think that they get from it while denying and shaming and denigrating a group of people that they also engage with sexually or that they also engage with emotionally or that they also engage with socially but because they don't want to lose their privilege and access. They deny themselves. And that essentially, like you, what Brianna was saying, is some white supremacy. Because you're essentially still saying, I got to be respectable for massa and blackness has to look a certain way and we have to be respectable and we have to put the certain look forward. And you have to look a certain way and you have to be a certain weight and you have to have a certain value system in order to represent blackness. Otherwise, that ain't black. We got to with the black call. Fuck for black card. I would rather have a card that is going to get me access to fullness. Because if the black card, the card that is always gonna be card declined when I try to use it, then why the fuck am I carrying it? So let's be remember that if you want us to carry this standard of blackness that the standard of blackness has to expand to include everybody. Otherwise you got folks that are lying. And a lot of people, like I said, that are claiming to be cis heterosexual are lying about it because they don't want to lose privilege. So you're lying to yourself most importantly.
1: But the discreet, that's what I'm gonna start calling them from now on that one, the discreet. The discreets, <laughs> <laughs> since that is so shady. No, the, no, it, 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 the discreets, or do you want to be called the queers? Because that's Ooh. the truth—that you're queer, just like us, bitch. Ooh. But you don't want to admit it, and I'm—I'm I'm done, <laughs> bitch. We will have the killing the DL culture episode, hopefully the spirit will have it be next week. No, but we we really have to talk about what what does it mean to dismantle DL culture? And you know what are what are we as queer people, particularly black trans women, what are we what are we really committed and invested to giving up in order to rid ourselves of this culture, even if it just happens on an individual level? because you know because i don't really expect much from as far as gay men on opting into this because some of the ways that they uphold the D, some of them it's a mess and even some trans women are committed to upholding dl culture and i'm realistic to know that it might it might not be something that i see in my lifetime but for me there are individual things i can do on an individual level to kill that energy and move you know move towards life but no we, we definitely because it's all connected.
0: It's all connected. It is all connected. And if we, and then that's the bigger thing, is we're all connected. Since yeah. this conversation has been very, very powerful, girl, and I just want you to know that I'm glad that we create the space to have these difficult conversations. Because if you are listening still right now to box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk, we ask that you remember that this is an act of of giving that we're doing it is an impartation to be able to speak to an issue and to be authentic and vulnerable about your opinion knowing that any and anyone could can attack it or critique it or have opinions about it but we do it because we understand that this act of service is going to promote change and so here at box number five for a podcast we want to thank you for listening to this but we also want you to remember that part of being uh, being a part of the ecosystem that supports black trans lives is not just listening to this podcast, not just taking what we have to say and putting it in your box and boxing it. Part of why we chose the name Box Number 512 Podcast is because we wanted to unbox the reality That trans people are everywhere, that we're on your Clairol boxes, that we're on your, we're also on, we're also in your stores, we're all around you, and we deserve, Black queer people deserve to be treated and loved on and cared for by their own. We are Black also, even if we choose, even if you won't let us be Black first. Because the reality of it is the black first thing only applies for certain people. We don't have access to be black first because you see my transness and then you begin to deny my card stops going through. My black card, it starts getting declined. So I want to put into the space the solution for everyone.
1: Oh, bitch, not only does it get declined, but you get sucked up into the ATM machine and they call the police on you, bitch.
0: And then a group of black people come and beat you in the store. (laughs) bitch (laughs) the black police police come and stand on your neck in the parking lot this thing right that's what happens we when we show up and try to use that black car and what i'm trying to tell everybody that's under the sound of the voices of us right now (laughs) we come in love and peace but we also come with a seriousness And because while we're laughing, because the absurdity of the scenario, because the reality is we know that that's true. That's why we're laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Like We know that if, God forbid, I decided to walk into a movement of Black Brothers and say, as a Black trans woman, baby, listen, there are in the middle of the hood. I'm walking up and I just want to add to the conversation. A couple of things are going to happen. Some people are gonna live, but majority are gonna try to hurt me first. And some of them will beat me and give me their number and drop it, drop it in my pocket while I'm on the ground, bitch. And say, be, dis- be
1: discreet. Can you be discreet?
0: Be discreet. Be, can you be? I'm on the DL. I'm discreet. Can you just call me later after you wipe the blood up and you call me, <laughs> later, bitch? And 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 we want to. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like. Box number five to a podcast is about calling attention to these issues and unboxing our point of view and hopefully helping you unbox your point of view to be welcoming because if we're inside the box, we're being bound and we're being controlled and we're being defined by something on the outside. Well, what we're trying to say is if you let the inside shine, we all can prosper.
1: Right. And just Black and people and other adjacent people Entertain that if you continue to tell black queer people and black trans women that they are black first when they're trying to bring up valid critiques and concerns, that you really sound like white people uh um shouting all lives matter. So I really need you to mm-hmm. entertain that, accept it, and work on it. And I think we could we could end the episode off here. Yes, honey. Thank you all for listening as a reminder. Uh, we want to encourage you guys to become sponsors of our show. Um, for as little you can sponsor for as little as one dollar a month. You can go to our anchor page. The link is in the details to this episode. We love you guys. Um, continue to be safe. Also, don't forget um, um grown black trans women talk live this Friday. We mm-hmm. will broadcast from Facebook and YouTube, so make mm-hmm. sure. Um, you guys are there. I'm pretty sure some interesting things will happen between now and then but until Um, next time
0: I just wanted to say thank you for tuning in to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Feel free to like follow and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms including Instagram at Box Number 512 Podcast and on Facebook Box Number 512 Podcast Facebook page And 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 also on Twitter. Follow us and we love you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you
1: for, for listening, listening to Box, Box number, number Five Twelve. And don't forget to subscribe and like all of our pages on social media. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see what we will stock on the shelf next week. Bye.